Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. And today, I have an amazing friend with me, Kimberly Snyder. Kimberly Snyder, just Google anything about nutrition, meditation, thought leader, yoga instructor, holistic lifestyle, and she will come up. She has written nine books, get that, nine, and we talk about her most recent book called You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life. What I loved about this book is that it is inspiring, it's personal, it's aspirational, but it's practical. Go out and get this book. She does such a great job of really breaking down the path, and it is a path, to feeling more joy, more yourself, more enlightened which is not just a hokey idea, but it's really true. And this concept that she references from her teacher, Yogananda, of ever new joy. How do we cultivate that? Well, she talks all about that. I just love her. She is a mama of two. She is a wife and she's an entrepreneur, like unbelievable. She's got all kinds of, she's got her hands in a lot of pots, let's just say. She's got her own line of, um, supplements. She has Saluna brand, which also is this holistic lifestyle brand that has an online community program and online courses. And we chat about all this today. So please enjoy and go get Amberly's book. 
Welcome, Kimberly. So happy to have you on here today. Oh, it's so wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I love talking to like-minded people, but I also love talking to successful women, mamas, who are doing such good in the world, and authors. You've written a few books, but the most recent book is called You Are More Than You Think You Are, which I just love that. And when I was reading, I was curious about where that came from. But I first wanted to talk about how you even were hearing this from your mom, you were saying, but you weren't encoding it. And and why do you think that is? And why do you think so many people in the world today, no matter if a loved one tells them like you're so you you are more than you think you are, why do you think we have a hard time believing that? So the premise of the book, which is my sixth book, and I'll tell this funny story moment where this the idea of this book was really supposed to be my first book, but then the publisher had a different idea. So we are six books later, 10 years later. And I've gone deeper in this journey of really seeing that most all of us are programmed to identify with our ego, right? We live in this world that is so image focused, so focused on achievements and what you're doing. And, you know, you meet someone and a lot of people say, well, what do you do for a living? Right? So it's all this external stuff. So on the surface, and I I use this analogy, it's sort of like being on the surface of the ocean, which is chaotic and choppy, and it feels very uncertain. It feels very unstable. And so it's, you know, it's something that we have to learn, or in my case, unlearn from our childhood of this over-identification with the looks, with the doing out here, and connect instead to the true self, which is the yogis, what the yogis call who we really are. We could say it's the soul. We can say in quantum physics, the unique gravitational field. We can say it's spirit individualized inside of us. But the more we start to create that anchor inside, then we don't have to put into words why we're good enough. We don't have to show. We don't have to compare. We don't have to say, well, look at this number. You know, I used to be a perfectionist. I still call myself a recovering perfectionist where it was, what was my, you know, rank in the class? What number did I get on the test was so quantifiable. And so the way that we move past all the tendencies is we just have to go deeper inside. And we do that through practice. We do that through teachings and awareness. And it lessens that tethering to the outside, you know, our worth being tied to all this stuff. And so in the world today, we, you know, you see, wow, it's not going to be handed to you. We have to at first create the distinction between ego and true self and then utilize practices to help us anchor in. And so would you say ego is that within us that is not bad, but it is more likely to be seduced by external forces telling us our worth? So like you said, the ego isn't bad. So within each of us, there is this divine part, the stable part, the true self. You could also say it's the voice of intuition, the heart. And then we have this human part that is stumbling along and you know, perfectly imperfect and making mistakes and has behaviors that sometimes are in alignment with who we are. And sometimes the behavior goes awry. So the issue is again, just over identifying. So it's like, we think we're bad. We hold on to shame. If we did something 10 years ago that we're ashamed of versus learning and then taking the lessons and letting go, which is what the the whole chapter in my book is called. You are whole, because I think that's a stumbling block for a lot of people. They don't, they struggle with self-love. They struggle with really thinking they're good 
Because again, we can identify with how we look, which is going to age and change over time. We can identify with our behaviors up and down. All this stuff is always in flux. And so really the antidote, the really only the way to find real peace is to go underneath all of that and to connect to the stability. And someone that's been through a lot of anxiety, a lot of low self-esteem, everything that ranged from eating disorders to you know, all kinds of things, I can say that it really is possible for all of us to, to go in, to connect in a deeper way. And it really does change your whole life. Hmm. And I feel like your book is not only um, articulating this, but giving the how-to, you know, because that's what oh, yes. people, right? People can hear about it and this idea of enlightenment and embodiment and wholeness and joy and all these practices, but it feels for many something that is not achievable. Exactly. And yeah, so that's what I loved so much. Every, like each chapter I like loved more and more. So for everybody listening, it is really a book I think that you'll just keep by your bed because it's something mm -hmm. I think you'd open up. It has so many practical tools, but let's start from the beginning. The title, You Are More Than You Think You Are. You said this came from Yogananda. So can you speak a little bit about your first interaction of knowing mm. who he was and what um, about his teachings resonated so much with you? So it goes to the practical that you were speaking of. I remember when I first read Eckhart Tolle and you know these big ideas about being in the now and I thought, oh, this is amazing, but I, how do I do it? <laughs> Tell me what to do. So I was after college, you know, long story short, I thought I might be a doctor. I interned in a hospital was not for me. So you know what I was going to do. So I ended up saving some money. I worked in Australia for a year and then I backpacked for about three years and I was a seeker. You know, I wouldn't have used that term back then, but I was seeking I was seeking to feel better. I had all this anxiety. I was bloated. I didn't feel good in my body. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just trying to relieve some of that. So I started to move, right? I was like this restless energy, very rajasic, we could say. And so I was moving around the world. And then I landed in India. And I described this in the beginning of the book where I was here. I was in, in Rishikesh and I went into a bookshop. And there was, of course, hundreds and hundreds of spiritual books. And I was really drawn to this very simple book. And it happened to be one of um, Yogananda's books. And I read it. I started to read it just, just right there in the bookshop. And I felt this fire sensation in my spine because he was talking about this universality of energy. It was beyond religion. He was talking about oneness. I was raised Catholic. And I, you know, of course, I love the message of love of Jesus, but I would sit in mass and I didn't feel that personal connection. And so what I really liked about Yogananda was he would, he was saying, you can be of religion or you cannot be of religion. But what I'm talking about here is connecting to the to spirit. It's connecting to the, you know, all intelligent divine energy. You can call it whatever you want to say. You could say universe. You can say God. It doesn't matter the language, but it's about this. Um, this oneness. I said, yes, yes, this makes so much sense. So then I started pouring into his writings and his teachings. And he, he goes into these very specific lessons where you can learn Kriya Yoga. And what I loved about it was this practical nature. And he called it how to live series. So he would talk about the best way to choose a life partner. And he would talk about how to be successful in business. And he would talk about how to bring forth your creative power. And it was very specific. 
So in writing this, well, first of all, I'll say I was, I never think to myself, oh, it's time to write a book. I wait for that sponda. I wait for that inspiration. And it, it was when I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second son. So this is back in 2020. And the idea of this book just came down like, and it was a time I was trying to slow down, but it was so clear to me, okay, this spirit wants this book to be here. And so I didn't know exactly what to do. I reached out to my co-author two books ago, Deepak Chopra. And he said, oh, this book belongs with Hay House. It was Random House and HarperCollins previously. So anyways, he puts me on an email And literally three days later, I was presenting the idea of the book and I wrote one sample chapter. And then I signed my book deal three days before I gave birth. And I started writing 60 days post-birth. And I have, you know, five previous books. I have never had this experience where it literally just flowed out. Channel three. So think pandemic, right? Newborn baby. My four-year-old is not in school. And I run a business and I have a podcast too. And somehow the book just came. And I went through thousands of pages of Yogananda's teachings. I went through his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, which is incredible and lectures and everything, all the public writings. I didn't go into the lessons. And it was, I just said to myself, this is really what the world needs. You know, there's this darkness that's coming or this here in many ways, but yet this light is available to us. And so I wanted to bring forth the teachings that had helped me so much in my own life. Well, and that's always what's so powerful is when you discover something that you know is a universal healing power and that you then share it. And you even, you know, you do get personal and talk about the separation from your first son's father. And what advice would you give for people who are knowing that the relationship is not beneficial and just be in their true Mm -hmm. self? probably means that they're going to have to make a really hard decision. So the subtitle is practical (laughs) enlightenment for everyday life, right? So along with these teachings, which I tried to make as accessible as possible, there's science and there's personal stories. And the purpose of that was to show this is for our lives. This is not dusty texts that, you know, this, this, philosophy that's, you know, sounds aspirational, but isn't useful. It's very useful. And so what you're talking about is my rock bottom that I went through a few years ago. Now, let's see, my older son is six, five years ago, where in a short, short period of time, my mom passed away really suddenly. And it was this, like this sort of awakening, so to speak. I and she passed within six weeks of knowing she had cancer. So it was like, you know, this is the strongest person I know, the most alive person. If this can happen, anything can happen. So it's, it awoke something in me. And I started looking at my life. And what I saw was that, you know, my previous partner, who's a wonderful person, it wasn't the, there, the connection that I wanted, right? We're always seeking that, that connection past the separation, past the walls. And it just wasn't right for either of us. And so then I moved out, right? So there's this period where I was a new mom. My older son wasn't yet a year. I lost my mom. I became a new mom. And I went into this, <laughs> I went into this period of five months where a monk from the Self-Realization Fellowship, which is Yogananda's organization, said, treat your home like an ashram. So that's what I did for five months. I went into scripture. I meditated like crazy and I went into connect. And it was scary. 
And I described that in the book where I would sit in my closet and I would cry. And I'd say, I never thought I was going to be a single mom, right? The ego likes to label things. We label, oh, you failed in this relationship. You're a single mom. And so I, you know, just, it was like a lot of things were coming up. And then on the other side, there was this trust. There was a strength that I never had before, right? It was kind of like, oh, all this stuff is happening, but I have me. And it was this different energy of moving around the world. And as I describe in some subsequent chapters, I was at this random dinner party some months after that. And without I wasn't looking around, I wasn't trying. I ran boom into my husband now, who is so, I get no words, the soulmate relationship that I always wanted. But if the fear kept me right in this sort of, lukewarm or like whatever you want to call it, a relationship position in life, which I think is what traps a lot of people, then we don't get the life that we want. We don't get the love. We don't get the soul relationship. We don't get the outrageously successful career, the everything, right? So that's why the first chapter in the book is actually fear on fear. It's called you are fearlessness because Yogananda talks about the 26 qualities that we need to embody our full potential. And the number one quality is fear, getting past the fear. So that's how the book is structured. Actually, the first part is removing the blocks. The second part is learning to embody the power of you. So intuition, peace. And then the third chapter is creating. So the longest chapter is you are a creator. We talk about magnetism. I talk about how I came to write a book with Deepak, first place, abundance. And what I find people struggling with, or they say, you know, I'm in this relationship or don't really, I'm not able to create my dreams. They go straight to part three. They try to create right away and they don't do steps one and two. So underneath the fear can be driving the energy and a lot of the decisions. So whether we recognize it or not, we cannot cheat energy. So I would say to anyone that feels eh about their job or their relationship, do this process, move the blocks. So there's fear. And then um, the whole chapter is in there where we don't feel whole. We have a lot of shame for past behavior, whatever it is. We need to get past that again, to really connect to the true self. And then the magic really opens up. So in a practical way, how, again, people need to buy the book to really go through it, but what are some of the most practical uh, tools for creating that fearlessness, which I loved that chapter too. You know, it's just fear is the big motherfucker that stops so many of us from doing things. It's the what ifs and you imagine and versus like being present and feeling the fear and moving through it anyway. So we cannot deal with our fear unless we really understand what they are. And so the practices in that chapter are really about pulling the fears out of the shadows first and looking at them. And that comes from, um, I guide you through observation and just being aware of certain things. So for instance, you said to me, oh, what are you scared of? You know, there's the obvious things, right? Like I'm scared of spiders. I'm scared of, you know, I don't want anyone. I love to be in a car accident, whatever it is. But when we observe, when we go into our body, we have a lot more wisdom than the mind, which can be tricky. It can tell us stories, right? It can have this chatter. And so through my self-observation, I noticed something, which was when people would interrupt me or, you know, of course there's a normal annoyance, but it would really hurt. It would really trigger me. 
And I started to observe that and I started to look underneath. That's the practice, right? Of seeing what is, why is this, why is my nervous system having such a reaction? Because the nervous system is reacting to fear, right? So you have to really see the triggers in yourself. And what I was underneath the interruption was keep digging, digging down. There was this fear of feeling that I wasn't worthy to be seen and heard, right? And this was triggering something from my childhood. So underneath it was, oh, you're not worthy of being seen and heard, which underneath it was a fear of really not being lovable. And like, you know, fear of like, you're nothing, you're, you don't deserve to be loved. So once I could actually really see the fear, you know, Carl Jung talks about the shadow work, which we have to do. We have to see the darkness in order to really be the light. Otherwise we don't see clearly. Otherwise it's in there and it's suppressing, it's changing our energy. That's the only way we integrate it into the light. So I would sit with this and I would do the practices that I teach now and it started to come up and it doesn't heal overnight, but I could see it. And you can start to not over-identify with it. You can start to work with it. You can welcome it in. And then eventually you give yourself the love. You give yourself the validation. You become the answer to the question you're looking for. It's so powerful. And it's more and more we get past the fear. And that is the first step in the process of creating the life you really want. Because like I said, you can say all the things. I I deserve abundance. I deserve this relationship. But underneath the energy in the heart, if it's still restless, if it's still not anchored in the true self, the fear is taking over. It mm. will never, you will never really create you know, as fully as deeply as you would like to. Yeah. It's like really going into, um, excavating and, and putting in the ingredients for that much more fulfilling and joy filled life that we all want and deserve. And I think there was, I think it was roomy. I can't remember, but the poem about the guest house, welcome all the visitors. And it's, and, and the idea is you welcome all of, like you said, the shadows, the, the ones that you want, but but you also get to decide if they stay and dwell. You know, it's it's if you ignore them, that they're just gonna have they're gonna actually have a lot more power. But kind of un yes. uncovering the root cause. Yes. Well, it's this this constant experience of the beingness, right? This is the true self. So these experiences of the ego, being lonely, being frustrated, being angry, when we are more established in self they start to not impact us as much. So there's, you know, there's many, the, the, all the practices work together. I talk about the, the importance of having that daily meditation practice, which is taking our attention away, some of our attention away from our peripheral nervous, which is always out here and directing it back into the spine, central nervous system. That's where mm. the magic is. So it's yes. really important that we do that practice to establish this peace and this intuition inside of us. And then we can welcome more in and process things from a different vantage point where we're not so over-identified. Well, I, what I also, I really loved um, how you talk about there is a very, very particular and intentional path on this book and to yes. get to this practice of embodiment. And you, you have these practices of affirmation, which I think are beautiful. And it's very specific with a present, I am, Yes. Happy. I am fulfilled. Can you explain how that works to somebody who's like, well, I've tried those mantras before and it just, it felt good temporarily, but it wasn't really getting 
into that kind of deeper wiring. So in the world, there is a lot of chatter, right? Mm. You think about just idle chatter, like so easy to leave comments on social media or just like have these sort of empty conversations. And so in the world today, there isn't always or hardly ever, we might say this, this emphasis on the power of the word. And yet Yogananda talks about this. You think about the genesis of manifestation into what we can see with our physical eyes. And it starts with energy. It starts with a thought. And then we start to culminate that power. The next part of bringing it forth into the world is through the word. So you're speaking it through your throat chakra, through your vishuddha. So now you're putting a different level of um, creation into the word. And so he speaks a lot about really only using the power of your voice when you have something to say, right? So in the vitality chapter, I talk about trying to cut idle chatter as much as possible because you're just dissipating energy and also your power of speech. So that's the first thing is really understanding that as, as humans, as you know, these um, sentient beings that can speak and express ideas through word, we really want to honor our speech. We don't want to say things that we don't mean. And so the second thing is, you know, in self-help circles and along the past decades, this idea of affirmations has been sort of tossed around and it's done in this way where just like looking at there's a Saturday Night Life skit where someone sent me where this person's like looking in the mirror and he's like, I like myself. And it just is, you know, just ridiculous the way some of it's portrayed. And so if you're going into affirmations with this level of deep self-doubt, you're really just sort of lying to yourself. It's a bit of a waste of time. But yet Yogananda teaches this very specific method where we want to get first into this I am consciousness, which builds over time. And so you do want to settle first. You do want to meditate first. And the practical enlightenment meditations I teach, which are inspired by Yogananda's work is first a little physical movement, the breath work, and then the I am, which again is moving us from out here into the spine. And as he teaches affirmations, you say them out loud and then increasingly softer. So you actually merge with the energy behind the words right? So it's all written out. It's a little bit hard to explain now quickly, but there's a specific method. And I'll tell you, I feel like everything in the book, why I'm passionate about sharing it is when I started practicing this, it's when I started really creating. It's when I became a New York Times bestseller for the first time. And, you know, many times after it was this focused intention, moving past separation to the energy in me is united to this energy. And there actually is no, you know, it's the, the, the nerd out here on quantum physics, but it's the observer effect where you, instead of, you know, focusing on what you don't want, everything is, is waves and moving and instead of separate particles, but the observer effect is you focus and you focus. And then the wave collapses into that particle. It becomes a reality, right? So with this type of affirmation, there's this union with potential and then you call it in and it's, um, it's really powerful. It's magical. It's magical. Don't you think this book should be taught in all schools? I mean, if, <laughs> I if would love we that. could get this into schools, like how are you, I mean, it's, it's so natural for you, I'm sure as a mother, but how do you find that this has helped you in your mothering? 
So I think it's important to live the practice. And what I mean by that first is my sons always see me meditate. And when someone asked my son the other day, they're like, how much does your mother meditate? And he's like, a lot. (laughs) And so I talked to him about this and we meditate together. I mean, now he's six. His attention span is not so high, but before bed, we do our breathing. We do our intentions. He knows all about third eye. He knows that you know, he has this anchor, this resource inside of him. And so I try to, for me, my whole life is interconnected. There really isn't an extension, you know, the things I might make at home, my recipes, I publish in books or on my website and I really do integrate everything. So, you know, we have a gratitude practice before dinner. And so my kids are seeing me live this. And then as far as mothering, it's really given me so much patience. It's given me peace. In a way, you know, my dad was away for a long time because of the pandemic and border closings and all sorts of things. And he came back and even in a few years, like it just keeps building. He's like, it's amazing. Nothing bothers you anymore. I'm like, oh, sometimes things still bother me. But I look back and I think, wow, the reactivity has gone down so much. Like this stuff really works, <laughs> right? It just allows us to, and also I would say too, as a, as a mother, you don't have to be so clingy, right? It's like, oh, my six-year-old, I wish you were back to being a baby. I miss when you were a toddler. You realize, oh, the happiness is in me. So you can share these experiences, but you don't, you understand that the happiness doesn't come from your children. So you don't put that on them. You allow them to be who they are and they grow and you can observe and you can, you know, be along for the journey. But it's like this great pulling back of power where I don't, you know, it's not this clinginess that I can see sometimes, right? Or some my my younger son is is two today actually, and I see these mothers sometimes that are like, oh, I miss so much when my baby was that age, and I think it's natural. Of course, we all love the babies, but there doesn't have to be the excess suffering with that, right? There's this oh, the peace and the happiness and the joy is always with me. And so I don't have to cling to experiences. Exactly. I, I, you know, my kids are older, 17 and almost 20. Oh. And yeah, so I totally relate to that. I, I, I didn't, oh, I don't want to say I ever, I never wished for things to be different than they were. I just really enjoyed each stage. And there, I think sometimes we have our moments where we need to mourn the passing of a stage because it isn't going to be there again. But with the recognition that the next stage is beautiful and wonderful in a different way. And it might be challenging. It might not be that like little snuggle bug, but it's, I just love, like, I love hanging out with my kids now. It's like, they're becoming, my daughter's almost 20. I mean, she's like a, like we have just an amazing relationship and it's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So I, I do see what you're talking about. And I think it is that identity is not from within. It's, it's, it's in relationship too. And that's, I think, so important for women to always be able to have their, like, like you said, their own happiness that is not dependent on their children's or their children's response to them or need for them or any of that. You know, when this book came out a few months ago, I did three Good Morning America segments. And one of them was... <laughs> I thought it was such an obvious 
thing to talk about, which is that our worth is not tied to our appearance. And here's the true self. And this is where we get confidence from. And you should have heard the feedback of so many people. Yes. Oh my gosh, you are right. And I was like, yeah. And you look at the world today where there is this, I mean, it's so sad to me, but even more perhaps this worshiping of everyone's trying to look like they're 20 years old and everybody looks the same and everything is like so becoming so homogenous. And it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's this, this loss of the, 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 what's important, which is this individuality, the, the, the unique spice that we all bring. And so instead of wasting energy and trying to keep this resistance, right? Like it has to look this way. We're going to look. It's like, imagine just relaxing into the beingness of you, which is always the most beautiful. This naturalness, this comfortability with being yourself is always the most beautiful in the end. It is the most attractive. It, you know, the other kind of beauty is another kind of beauty as well, but it gets old, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like you look at these images that are so photoshopped, or it's, you know, maybe that person looks like that. And it's just like, okay. But when you see realness, when you see that that individual energy coming forth, to me, that is so much more intriguing and interesting. And it it becomes more beautiful the more you examine it. Amen. And I think exactly what you said, like. I even think about my husband. We were talking beforehand how we're both married to wonderful Jewish men. And, you know, my husband is even more attractive to me now, Mm. almost 21 years of marriage, because his, you know, he is more in embodied and he's, yes, you know, he's so self, he's so, he's so secure in who he is. And so if we think about that's what we would want for ourselves as well. And so, you know, this is a, like a, we could go down this path, but I'm curious in terms of social media, I'm sure you have a very good way of monitoring, like how much you engage and how much it is part of our job when we're out in the public to, you know, have a social media page and engage. But for those who are, um, the intensity of social media that it can be, what are your recommendations for, because that is the, that is the, like what, going back to the beginning, what we talked about, that is the, the perfect example of trying to get approval from an external source. So there's a couple of things I would say. Number one, be on social media as little as possible. I am on there as little as possible. I schedule things. I have a team that helps you know, I just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm yeah. on there as little as possible. Number two, don't let it drift into your day with the alerts. It has to be a very intentional batching, right? Eight to eight, 15, two to two twenty, whatever it is. I just put it in your schedule and treat it as you would a meeting. Otherwise this, again, this external, what are people doing? What do people look like? It's infiltrating all the time and pulling you off your focus. And it doesn't really benefit so much, right? Again, we have to kind of know what's going on, but you can treat it in a very specific way. Number three, do not go on it first thing in the morning. I always recommend the morning practice, including meditation, getting into your spine, into your breath, into your body. So you are anchored in self before you go out into the world. And then I would also say, lastly, to really make sure that you are only 
engaging and following people that are inspiring to you and unfollowing, or if you feel badly that, you know, someone, you might hurt someone's feelings, just mute it. That's it. Mm. Yeah. I like, I like how you said batch it, because I also think people don't even intentionally like go on even necessarily like, Oh, what else are other people doing? I think it's such a habit of distraction when we have this pause in our day that just to pick up the phone and and look, even if it's just boredom or curiosity, whatever the reason it's so much better, like you said, to treat it like it's a meeting. You're not just going to plug into a meeting 30 minutes ahead of time or an hour ahead of time and wait for, to see what's going to happen. It's like, that's your time. That's your energy. And um, there are lots of benefits of interacting with other people, but yeah, you still have to really uh, make sure that you're doing it in the way that is fueling you, not draining you or making you feel bad about yourself. Like that's just ridiculous. For me, I, I understand that like you're on your phone, you have this moment. And so for me, what's been a big healing or just a sanctuary is our Saluna app. So my brand has an app now and we have something called the Saluna Circle, which is like-minded people that come and we do a Zoom every month on a theme, it's abundance and there's a chat. So if I have downtime, my phone's right there on the phone. So I'll go in because it's all positive. It's all supportive and we're all talking through things. And it's this community of mostly women Right. And it's, it's a circle and it's much closer. And so I would also recommend whether it's another app or community, having a sanctuary on your phone besides Instagram or TikTok, which is like the wild west. Right. <laughs> and so it's important to also have that practically as well. I love that. So yeah, tell us all the things that you offer besides this beautiful book, which I just cannot speak highly enough about. I really am saying that Thank sincerely. You. It's because I am I am all the things that you refer to. I, I, I'm into the mysticism, into the science, but I want the practical too. I don't want to yes. do like, and that's the, that's the hard part for a lot of people. It's like, they get really inspired and then it's like, and now what? And then it just drifts. So it's not like, it's not practiced. It isn't implemented, embodied. So it is a truly a book that is, will not only give you the tools, but it will, it will change, it will transform you by you transforming you. Right. So what other, thank um, you so much. Uh, oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> it is so <laughs> important. Yeah. So tell me some, some other ways people can find you or the other offerings like you just mentioned. I think that's wonderful to hear about. So when I mentioned to you, I sort of went into that whole <laughs> dark space five years ago. I also at the time was, um, you know, this is a whole backstory, but I, I don't, I don't own school screens myself. I just have to say this. I don't, I'm not drawn to TV or movies so much um, just because it doesn't hold my attention. I really love the written word, but at some point in my career, um, I started a free blog and I got onto my first celebrity found me and I got into a film set and I, you know, long story short, there was these years where I was working with all these big actors and celebrities and traveling with them and doing all this stuff. And it would often be built from the studio. Like I was their nutritionist they always worked in this holistic way, right? I always talked about emotional well-being, stress management, meditation, yoga, all of these things. And so in the aftermath, when my mom passed and I moved out on my own, that's really when my company was formed. It was, it's called Saluna, which is the sun and the moon. So it's mm-hmm. back to that idea of the wholeness, the whole cycle. And so the wholeness in us, what I, the work that I was doing with these celebrity clients 
and regular people like you and me, no less (laughs) extraordinary, just different jobs is it allowed me to clarify my, what I call my four cornerstone philosophy, which is food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. So the way I set up the company is having offerings in each of the cornerstones. So with food, we have online courses, we have recipes, we have my first two food, my books, which are food focused in body. We have supplements, high-performance skincare, yoga videos, and then emotional well-being, that's where the Saluna Circle is, which lives on our app, this sisterhood, this you know, really supportive, emotional-based um, community. And then in spiritual growth, there's a whole section there for the free library of practical enlightenment meditations. And then of course, the new book and more and more that I talk about with meditation. So um, yeah, everything that I put out, we have some really exciting things coming down the pipeline including mm. a fertility, pregnancy, postpartum course from my holistic perspective. Um, we just have a lot coming, but any, each and any of them falls into each of the cornerstones or sometimes there's crossover. That's incredible. I love that. I love that this is like a holistic entrepreneurship. Way to go, mama. <laughs> I know I know from doing some of it my own, it is, yes. um, it's the good hard work, but it, it it's not like it, you know, you're, you're working it. So oh, <laughs> I yes. see you. Yeah. Yes. And it's this, it's also what I love is this, um, you know, I've stepped into this real, this flow, right. Which we can all embody, which is, which means nonlinear because my energy, just like your energy and everybody else's energy shifts every day. So I allow myself as an entrepreneur to really have that space where sometimes I feel like being outward and I'll shoot content and do videos. And sometimes I really just want to be in my writing cave. And I think it's important not to just go down the, you know, the list really in a rigid way and push yourself, but to respect the way the energy is always moving and shifting. And there's this dynamic flow, just like we see in nature as well. I love that. And it's, it's, it's intuitive, but it's also sustainable, right? Because then, then you're really listening to within and you're responding accordingly versus just having like an itinerary objective or initiatives and that. You just have to check them off. I think that's where a lot of people are just exhausted from from that. So we have a lot to learn from you, Kimberly. Um, <laughs> check out our show notes for more. And please, everybody, go out and get this book. It's it's If we could give this to everyone, I think the world would be such a more beautiful and peaceful place, more harmonious, because we know at the end of the day, it does start from within. And we can't look and blame others. We can't look and try and purchase things to make us feel better. We have to do the work and, um, but it can be joyful and it will be. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. And as always, for everybody listening, I'm pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 